Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. This is your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio A here today with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It is so great to be here. Awesome. We also have a special guest audience today. My son Christian is hanging out here with us today, which is awesome. I'm sure he's excited to be here. Uh, He will be uh, having a little special treat for us later in the podcast, and so just stay tuned for that. And uh, we are still not meeting. Man, I'll tell you what. I miss everybody so much. It is so tough to, you know, listen, I understand now how all those people feel that are out somewhere. They have their Hebrew roots, right? But they don't have a place to go. And, and, you know, they watch online and while all that's well and good and they're inspired and all of that, it's, there's just nothing like getting together with other believers that are like-minded and just hugging them and shaking their hands and smiling with them and spending time just being together. It's um, the body of Christ. It is the body Many of members, Christ. one body. So right now, all the body parts are scattered. That's right. And we don't like that. We don't want to be scattered. We want Scattering to be is over. gathered. You know, uh, Yeshua says, <sighs> if you don't gathereth, you scattereth. That's a direct quote from the King James Bible. But uh, anyways, so just so you guys know, uh, we here at Beit Tehillah are still following uh, CDC and local and state guidelines, and so we are in phase one still here in Florida, and that means that we're just not quite ready to bring in and have a full shebang uh, service just yet, and so uh, we are proceeding with caution, but we are excited to get together at the soonest possible time. So just know that we are motivated just as you guys are. Um, to get that uh, rolling and going because we miss you guys. So, uh, But guess what? We can still study God's Word. Amen? That's right. That's right. So today we are studying two Torah portions. That's right, a double portion. Bah, bah, bah. Finishing up. And we're ending the book of Leviticus oh, man. all in where one day. Where are my day. tissues? And then you know, what? <laughs> you know where we go after Leviticus, right? Numbers. The wilderness. The That's wilderness, right. Yeah. The wilderness. That's right. But midbar. Yeah. Into the wilderness. So today we're studying the Torah portions uh, Behar, which means on the mountain, and the Torah portion Behukotai, which means in my decrees. And so uh, Behar on the mountains is uh, found in the book of Leviticus, starting in chapter 25 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 26 and verse 2. Uh, and Behukotai is starting in uh, Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 3, and ending at the end of Leviticus in chapter 27 and verse 34. So remember, now the Torah, you know, uh, it's been said it's the mind of God. The mind of God is the Torah. So to say that it's been done away with, then you're actually saying that we have done away with the mind of God. Uh, and God doesn't change. And so once again, we're, we're digging into Torah. We're finding principles. We're, we're, we're discovering our Father and how incredible He is. And, you know, I know uh, Torah is hard to relate to in the culture because the culture is just a free-for-all. You know, it's, Boy, uh, is it. it's lawless. It's just selfish. It's self-centered. It's narcissism it's a cult of personality uh you know but the thing is you know uh with the holy spirit you can actually get to know the father and uh, those attributes can become your attributes uh as his children so leviticus the uh, theme is you shall be holy starts with consecration ends with consecration 27 chapters this book is broken up into two parts Uh, chapters 1 through 17 is the way to god Chapters 18 to 27 is the walk with God. And once again, the main theme here is, of course, holiness. So it starts with consecration, ends with consecration. So let's get started. All right. We are going to be checking out uh, Leviticus chapter 25, the Sabbath years and the year of Jubilee. So what is to happen to the land every seven years? It is the Shemitah or the Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest, and it says in Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 8, And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years, and the space of the seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee forty-nine years. Okay, 
So uh, it goes on to say Leviticus 25, verse 9. Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. So just for your uh, understanding and, and just for the records, uh, they have never really kept track of this. It's, yeah. it's, 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 we don't know the exact date, you know, uh, of course, where we're at today f- to make it relevant. But uh, we, have, we have some ideas. But once again, we're looking at the principles. We're looking at these special days. So uh, after every seven years, the, the land is to have a Sabbath rest. And of course, what happened to the children of Israel? They violated it. Oh. And so he punished them for 70 years. Uh, for not doing yeah. this, they so, went into so captivity they in Babylon, track and they didn't even do it. So we don't have the the address for that in the scriptures. But well, it's the Book of Daniel. Yeah, but basically <laughs> they they were punished for that. Uh, and so once again, as we were even counting the Omer, you count seven Sabbaths of years, just like the the daily count of forty nine days. Right. This is going to be forty nine years. So we're we're leading up to year fifty. Uh, the trumpet uh, is sounded. Uh, for the Jubilee on the 10th day of the seventh month in the Day of Atonement. In the and 49th year. And so what's cool about this yeah. is I think that um, a lot of people say that the Jubilee actually begins in the 49th year. But in fact, what's happening here uh, is the trumpet is being sounded on the Day of Atonement. And then what happens is they go around the country blowing the trumpet, announcing that the year of Jubilee is coming so that when the 50th year comes, hey, this is the Jubilee Yeah, read year. Leviticus 25, verse 10. And so it says, And ye shall hallow the 50th year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a Jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. Wow, that's awesome. That's incredible. I mean, think about it. All debts are canceled. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is incredible. So so here's the discussion, Ryan, as we, as we all look forward to some great things with the Lord. The year of Jubilee is announced in the 50th year on the Day of Atonement with the blast of the trumpet. It is a time where everyone returns to their possession and debts are canceled. What are you looking forward to in regard to the promises of God, Ryan, to this? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sins. Um, You know, when you think about the debt that you owe, uh, what is the debt that we owe God? We owe Him our whole lives. We owe Him everything. And we're bondservants uh, to Messiah. But what's cool about that is that it's through that bondservanthood that we receive the freedom. And so I look at this as, you know, Yeshua, when he comes and he quotes in Isaiah, you know, proclaiming liberty to the captives. I mean, that's his mission, right? That he's bringing people out of captivity. And so many of us are in, in darkness. Many of us don't even know you know, Yeshua as Messiah. Many people don't know, you know, don't believe, in, dimly. Right, don't believe in God, all of these things. And, and we have this revelation. We've been given our freedom. We understand what true freedom is. We have freedom in, in, in Christ, in Messiah. And so I look forward to the promises of God for me as they come to that he's coming back, that our bridegroom is returning for a, a bride, that, um, that he's preparing all of us and equipping all of us for work in his kingdom, that he's going to set up a kingdom. Um, and so I'm very excited about that. I would you know, love to you know, whatever it is, mop the floors or, you know, rule and reign, whatever it is that he has for me to do. I'm excited for my, you know, position that he's preparing for me ahead of time, you know? You know, and, and there's so much controversy about the rapture post, pre, or mid, and, and we believe in the pantheon, it's all going to pan out. But oh, yeah. but when you think about it, I think about a Hebrew rapture, it's when the Lord comes back and brings us to our inheritance. That's he right. He gives it to us, you know, uh, and he talks about gathering the elect from the four corners. And that word elect in the Greek actually means believers, both Jews and non-Jews. But, you know, once again, this, this Jubilee is incredible. I mean, what, what's the name for the organization up on Harbor Ka? Ha Yovel, which is the Jubilee. See, so, so here's an organization that's helping the Jewish farmers in Israel as Christians for them to uh, do agriculture and everything and bless them. And, and so once again, you know, think about that. You know, and so that's, that's why it's so exciting, you know, when we really stop and think about all of this. And uh, as we are, of course, in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 17. Why don't you go and read that verse, Ryan? 25, 17 says, Ye shall not therefore oppress one another, but thou shalt fear thy God, for I am the Lord thy God. Wow. There we go. That's incredible. Which is cool, because think about it. When he says things like, I am the Lord your God, he, he says this a bunch of times. And I think that the point is that he's trying to say, hey, you're supposed to be called to be holy as I am holy. 
Well, when he says something like this, it says, don't oppress one another. This is a way in which we can be like him because he's saying, hey, this is one of my attributes. Be like me. You know, hey, don't oppress one another. I am the Lord your God. So yeah, it's not, not only, it's not hey, worth it. I've commanded you this, but also, hey, be like me. Be holy as I am holy. You know? That's awesome. You know, as we move into Leviticus chapter 25, verses 18 to 24, we have the sabbatical year or the Shemitah. You know, uh, so like did, the, did the Lord command that in the seventh year, the land shall have a rest with no planting? Yes. And then it says here in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 21, then I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year, and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. Whoa. And that's incredible. You know, and, and I, I want to do a little plug here for Jonathan Kahn. Uh, he has a, a book called the Shemitah. He does. And like I said, once again, we don't know the exact year for the Shemitah. But we know how it works. It's seven years. Then the following year is a Shemitah. Right. Now, what year was it that Israel celebrated the Shemitah? I don't, I don't know. Uh, the year that remember. they celebrated Shemitah? I can't, can't remember, but we can look it up. It's public records. Yeah, it's either 2012 did. or 2016. They, gave, they actually gave the land rest. Yeah, it was either 2012 um, or 2016. So anyway, uh, Jonathan Kahn's book on the Shemitah, uh, and he, he gives you like this template. And it's really fascinating, you know. And even though we don't know the exact date for the Shemitah, he, he's found these patterns uh, in, the, in the book Shemitah. And he lays it out for you. It's pretty outstanding. Even the economic crash and everything. Uh, and so, once again, we're in this cyclical uh, time frame. It's all cyclical. But if you think of God like a spiral, and, and, and in this spiral, we are ascending up. You know, it's a spiral. You're not... You're not doing something cyclical to keep you at the same level of understanding. You're, you're growing, you're expanding and going up. So that, that's incredible. In uh, Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23, uh, I, I'll never forget, I was asked to go down to the National Day of Prayer in downtown Tampa one year. They asked me to come and pray. And I'm like, Lord, you know, what do I pray for? I mean, what, you know, representing the Hebrews congregations or whatever. And it was so funny that the Lord says, I want you to, to read this verse and pray this prayer. So it says here in Leviticus, of course, um, chapter 25, verse 23, it says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. I prayed for the land of Israel, that it belongs to God, and he will do as such. And, uh, and that was on the National Day of Prayer in downtown Tampa. I'll wow. never forget that one yeah. year. Yeah, so, you know, if you ask, you receive. You have not because you ask that. So I asked, what should I pray for and how does it work? So that always comes to my mind. I have a little circle around verse 23. So once again, oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Since we are there, I would also like to take you to the prophet Joel. Now here's the prophet Joel. So if the land belongs to God and not the united nothing, I mean, I'm sorry, nations. But in Joel... Chapter 3, it says this in verse 2. In Joel chapter 3, verse 2. I will also gather all nations. Uh-oh. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Oy. And will plead with them there for my people. And for my heritage, Israel. Whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Oi. So land for peace doesn't work. Peace for land is not working. The Jews left Gaza, and look, they got a bunch of Katusha rockets. It's like 4th of July right. every day, or it could be. So, so Ryan, what do you have to say about this? So the, so the land belongs to God. The land absolutely belongs to God. and The land of Israel. And so let's just say for some examples here that we can read in the Scriptures and in the Prophets that the land belongs to God and that He has already put out what his purpose is for the land and that any other use of the land is going to be detrimental to whoever is is doing that. And what we see time and time again is that every time they go against scriptures, instead of just having faith and believing God is going to do his will, um, every time they go against it, bad things happen. And so there's actually, um, you know, people that have uh, ca you know, cataloged over time all of the different catastrophes, billion-dollar catastrophes, acts of God, so to speak, earthquakes, you know, hurricanes, all that type of stuff um, that have happened to the countries that have supported the splitting up of the land of Israel. And unfortunately, at this time, as many people, you know, within the Hebrew roots and in evangelical Christianity, as people that love Trump, 
the um, the the current deal that's on the table takes a sliver right up right down the middle, the biblical heartland of Israel, and says this is Palestine, and it's those types of things that are just not not good ideas <laughs> historically or otherwise, and. We can look at it from a secular point of view, as Pastor mentioned. Hey, you give land for peace, and then what happens? You get no peace, right? So if you're going to get no peace anyways, you might as well have the land and be on God's side with it, right? That's good. It is good. And, you know, one last thought on the, the biblical heartland. You know, all the stories of the Bible happen there, right? You, I'm, you know, I'm standing up on the mountain. We're at High Vell, right? I'm looking over, and I could see Joseph's tomb. And uh, uh, near Levi, who owns uh, the vineyard right there on Harbracha, and he owns Harbracha Winery, um, Jewish guy who, who brought, he was actually the original one that, that met with the, the folks at the Wallers at Hayavel that got them, you know, kind of started doing what they're doing. And we're pointing down and we're looking at Joseph's tomb. And he says, let me ask you a question. Do you think Joseph wants to be buried in Israel or Palestine? See, because right now we're looking at Palestine, you know, quote unquote. According to the the, yeah. the deal, the deal of the century. It's the verbiage. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. You know, I mean, if you think about it, if we, as we continue on in the Shemitah and the Jubilee year, if a person sold away some of his possessions, uh, a, relative, a relative could redeem them. Yes. A relative could redeem his possessions. Uh, and, of course, all country property redeemable in the year of Jubilee. All country property redeemable in the year of Jubilee. Uh, also, the uh, walled city property can be redeemed only for one year. A walled city property can be redeemed only for one year. So as your home is attached to the wall uh, in a city, the walled city property can be redeemed only for one year. These are just some little instructions here, some little real estate guidelines here. Uh, All village property redeemable in the year of Jubilee. What does it mean to be redeemed? It means to go back to the original owners. So as we move into Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 32, this is what it says. Notwithstanding the cities of the Levites and the houses of the cities of their possession, may the Levites redeem at any time. So that was what the Levites had, you know. Well, and I think that just, I want to make a clarification. You could actually probably speak to this because you may have studied it. But when I hear the word redeemed, I think of exchanging value for value, right? So if somebody sold that land to someone else. Somebody else can redeem it. Well, they sold it off, you know, during, you know, year 20, right? that at the end of 50 years, somebody has the ability to come and redeem it, meaning buy it back. It doesn't just get given back to the person. Am, am I right on that? Well, I mean, it actually goes back to the person. It just automatically without, without payment. Well, I mean, it's got to go through some kind of a transaction. That's what I mean. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's going back to like the original ownership. Well, it gives an option to buy back. It's like, hey, I get a buyback option at the 50th year, you know? Right. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's of course, uh, what do you call it, uh, prorated? So no country property of Levi's can ever be sold. Uh, all poor brothers to be relieved and helped back to prosperity. Well, see, this is God's. This is God's plan. This is His welfare program. Oh yeah, it's a lot different. Well, and you know, you got to think that back then, like right now, we look at real estate from a buy and sell perspective. Of right. Individual, because because you know w- one of the foundational principles of a constitutional republic, like what we have, is is individual property rights. And individual property rights is this, you know, obviously the basic concept of, hey, this is my property. Here's the border. I own this and I get to do whatever I want in this space, you know, whatever. And, and you know, Ryan, that's a good point. I mean, well, the, in, I mean, in Israel, ancient Israel, we're looking at this from a they have communal property rights. So their tribe owns this big swath of land and then you have your inheritance, your little pieces that get split up within it. So when something gets sold off to someone else, the value is in the ability for the land to produce crops, not necessarily, hey, I own this for X amount, but it's it's all that time period they were able to reap harvest off of that land. Right. That's good. I mean, so, I mean, just think about this and keep it in context, because if a brother was sold as a hired servant, uh, how long did he have to serve? Seven well, years. Until the year of Jubilee. Once yeah. again, everything's going to be prorated. Ooh, yeah. Uh, and, and of course, who would serve the children of Israel as bondmen and bondmaids? The heathen roundabout or the Gentiles. I yeah. know uh, um, the word heathen, the connotation doesn't sound really good, but it simply means Gentiles, non-Jews. Right. So could the children of Israel redeem one of their brethren sold to a sojourner or a stranger? Yes. Boy, that's what Yeshua did. Absolutely. He's the he Gaal. He's the Redeemer. That's right. He bought us back. And so who are the children of Israel unto the Lord? Servants. Servants. You know, this is interesting because I want to throw something out to all of you. This just crossed my mind. And I would challenge every Christian, if you are in Christ, you are the seed of Abraham. It's found in Galatians, okay? If you are in Christ, 
You are the seed of Abraham. Now, here's the statement. Therefore, in Ephesians 2, once you were far away, Christ, Jesus, Yeshua, has brought you near to what? To be the commonwealth of Israel. Amen. Romans talks about the grafting in process, Ryan. So let me throw this out there to all you Christians. You should want to live in Israel. The first thing given to Abraham, the first promise given to Abraham was, I'm going to bring you to this land. Abraham, I'm going to give you and your descendants this land. To the seed of Abraham? To the seed of Abraham. So see, this is the revelation, Ryan. So it's kind of like, I just said that on this podcast. What kind of reaction am I going to get? Maybe I don't want to live in Israel. I like. Isn't it dangerous over there? I like living in Norway. <laughs> yeah. Know? I love the fish, you know, or whatever. But it's like, you know, I love Miami. You know, Miami's yeah. great. I love the beach. But I'm just saying to all of you, if you think about these promises, which is, by the way, epigelia, a divine assurance of good, it's something to think about. We've, we've got a lot to discuss. So we're going to move on here. Once again, the children of Israel are servants. We need to be servants, you know. And one of the questions we had on our outline was, if Yeshua came to serve and not to be served, then why aren't we serving? You know, I, I said something to our congregation some months ago, and I basically said, give me two hours a month. And believe it or not, there are some that don't give any time. And it's kind of sad because you would think, give me just two hours a month. And, and it's kind of been going around the congregation, and people are like, well, I can give two hours. It's not asking very much. Yeah. You know, if you say to me, I serve two hours a month, we can cover a lot of positions, Ryan. We sure can. So was the Lord against graven images? Absolutely. We're oh, yeah. writing Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 1. And then, of course, we have Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 2. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Wow, we're in, we're in chapter 26, and we only have uh, 26 and 27. Ryan, any thoughts before we go right into uh, my decrees? Nothing. I just love the Sabbath, and I love his sanctuary. That's all I have to say about that. Wow, that's good. So these are some cool things that are happening within the Torah portion here. Uh, and we have, of course, these blessings for obedience. Wait, but hey, hey, wait, we're moving into Bechukotai. We're jumping into another Torah portion. We are jumping into the, the last Torah portion in Leviticus. How do you feel about that? I got to take a deep breath. Oh, I am going to milk this for everything that it's worth. Yeah, but you know what we're going to do next Tuesday, right? <laughs> Bamidbar. Bamidbar. In the wilderness. I know. You know what's interesting is you just <laughs> brought that thought to my mind real quick. I want to share that. You know, Leviticus, God teaches how to be holy and how to live. Oh, yeah. And then we go into Numbers. And, and screw it all up. We yeah. just mess it up. Yeah. We just mess it up. And then Paul brings it out in all the letters. Oh, these were examples for you not to do yeah, what they did. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. Once again, we're not to put it down, the examples. We are to live by them. So To heed them, yes. Yeah. What was the Lord going to give his people in due season? Rain. Rain. Now, I know this is public record. The Galilee is the highest it's ever been here in Israel. Oh, man. Absolutely. I've seen video after video of like where it was and you know the before that and after. That is outstanding, yeah, it's Ryan. You know, it, it, actually, there's this prophecy that if you don't come up and worship during tabernacles, there's not going to be no rain on your land. That's so good. if Israel's getting rain, it's like a, it's like a sign. Yeah. You know, and so the, the, the level of the Galilee is going up. That is awesome. Uh, here's a question. Was the Lord going to bless the children of Israel in the land and cause their enemies to fall by the sword? Yes, yes, actually, that's true. Yes. And what did the Lord want to establish with his people, Ryan? Well, he wanted to establish his covenant. His covenant. So, so here's, here's the deal, Ryan. You know, God sets up the priesthood, and they teach the Torah. Right. And God is the king. So the people cry out, give us a king. He says, all right, well, the king has got to write his own Torah. He's got to follow Torah. Yeah. Okay. You can still have the priesthood, but here's the king. Okay. So what, what happens, Ryan, is, um, you know, when the, when the king goes bad and the priesthood goes bad, he has to raise up a prophet. So it's interesting how we're going into the prophets now, the writing prophets and all these prophecies, because we have all these opinions, all these, you know, uh, false prophets roaming the earth tickling people's ears and telling them what they want to hear and drawing people to themselves, a cult of personality. And I only, I only bring that to, to mind here. Why? Because it talks about his covenant. You know, he said, if you keep my covenant and hear my voice, you will be above all people. So he's given you an opportunity 
to be above all people in, in, to the point of a better life, a better way. And I can't encourage all of you enough that that is what has happened with the coronavirus. It has, it has, it has struck the world and everyone's affected. And, you know, and it even talks about in Isaiah 26 to go and shut your door until the indignation passes over. So we are, we are blessed to know and report that the curve has been lowered, that the coronavirus is dissipating worldwide. And, uh, and of course, it's still something to, to, to deal with, but it's important to know. And of course, you know, this covenant thing is very important to keep his covenant, you know, and hear his voice. It's interesting, you know, I've got Hulu, Netflix, you know, uh, Amazon Prime. And, and think about all the shows and all the things you can watch. Oh, yeah. All the things you can hear in the car, all the podcasts, all the radio stations. And it's like, but where is God's voice? And so we want to hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. And as we develop this, you know, as God's going to take care of us and he's going to establish his covenant, uh, it says right here that uh, in Leviticus 26, 12, uh, it says, and I will walk among you and be, and will be your God and you shall be my people. I want that. Wow. You know, no secret sins, no shame, no embarrassment. You know, Christian and I, we say our prayers in the mornings and, um, you know, sometimes we do it in the laundry room and I've got this little drawing that you gave me of Jerusalem. Remember the little thing that was here that I left a couple of times? It was, yeah. Anyways, it's, a, it's like a like a sketch art of the dome and the Temple Mount and all that. And I think it's the, the view from uh, right. the Mount of Olives of what all that looks like. But it's just a little sketch drawing. And so I put that up in the laundry room and that's normally where we pray, where we face the east and, and pray. And that's just so we can keep it quiet because he and I are usually up before everyone else. We say our prayers. Um, but then sometimes we'll actually do it on the uh, porch you know, and I'll, I'll say those prayers and whatnot. And anyways, I don't remember where I was going with that. I got all excited about the About picture. the covenant. Remember the covenant? So yeah. you look at the land, you think yeah. of that, the uh, promise well, of the land. No, no, I see. Well, we face the east. Um, and I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. We face the east and, you know, I, we look out when we're on the porch and it I says see. God will walk among you. Yes. Oh God, that's what it was. Come on, somebody. And sometimes, man, I just look out and we've got yes. some property and I just imagine, you know, that Yeshua, you know, he's just going to come around the corner there along the fence line, you know, and that he's going to be just walking up and he's just going to come pray with us, you know? And I'm just like, man, you know, because there's this part in our prayers where it says, be, you know, uh, may our eyes behold your return to Zion and compassion, right. you know? And I'm just like, oh, come back. I know. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't want to go be with him. I want him to come get me. And then you're talking about a theophany last night. We yeah. had this conversation about a theophany and I'm just like, yes. Yeshua, he's just going to turn the corner and he's just coming to put his arm around me and he's just going to be like, hey, yeah. love you, oh, you know, yeah. just want to be with you. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine. It is. And I, you know, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> I mean, really. And you know what oh, else wow. is interesting? Um, I heard this the other day, and this is a side note, completely uh, rabbit trail, but I heard someone say it like this. They're talking about the gospel and they said, just know this, that, that God your father, your Abba, saw you and saw his son and had the option, right, to punish you for your sins. And when he had his choice of which one was going to live, he chose you. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this, God chose you. That's right. Just know that. That is awesome. It is awesome. You know, uh, big thought. <clears throat> some of the most important thoughts are actually placed within chapters 26 and 27 to, to reiterate certain things. Everything's in place now. Yeah. And he's going to give you some, uh, he's going to let you think about the consequences. If you choose to go down this, this road, this is what's going to happen. If yeah. you choose to go down this road, this is going to happen. It's, it's life or death, blessing or cursing. So once again, the following things were going to happen to the children of Israel if they broke covenant with him. This is found in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 16 through 39. He's like, okay, you don't want to follow me. You want to break covenant. You want to go do your own thing. This is what's going to happen to you. Yep, that's right. So listen up. We're going to go through a couple things here, but I want to give you the list of the things that uh, that could possibly happen. It's here it's terror, heaven as iron, and earth as brass. Um, no fruit on their trees. Wild beasts robbing them of their children. How awful is that? You know, that's I've had horrible. coyotes creep around the property with that, uh, with Aaliyah on the swing before. You know, and, and we all like jump in and obviously the coyotes run off and stuff, but it's like, man, that's scary stuff. No, it is. Bring a sword upon them. Pestilence. Boy, have we talked a lot about pestilence in the past few weeks. And there's only one Hebrew word for pestilence Nigga, in the Bible. right? And just, it's just not good. Naga, is that it? I'm not sure. Or but plague. That's, Maybe that's plague. That's plague. plague. But yeah, if you look up the word pestilence, it's just one Hebrew word. Oof. It's not good. Eat the flesh of their sons and daughters. 
I do that for fun sometimes, just kind of joking around, like, you know. But this is probably not funny. This is tastes like good. chicken. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. I think I hear it tastes like pork. You know, eat the flesh of their sons and daughters. You know that happened. No, I know it did. When the Babylonian captivity took place. God, that's terrible. And in 70 AD, uh, Josephus documented that. Just what an awful thing to happen. That's pretty now, terrible. To, to say that, you would you would think there's no way. Right, of course. Historically, it happened. Well, and when you read I this. I would starve to death. Well, we're reading that's this, That's a depraved right? mind. I'm just saying. I don't know. I would just starve. I'm sure the generation I mean, that receives these commands, just like probably what we're thinking while we're reading it, is... Well, it's, I'm going to keep God's covenant, so... But nobody wants to, to talk about that. I don't need that. to worry about this. I mean, have you ever heard a message in the church, and they ate their sons and daughters? Never. It's a punishment. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to share with you how bad times were. I would like you to... Ba- I would like to share with you how bad sin is. This is how much God hates sin. I mean, that's... When we grieve over sin, that's when we understand what's happening here. I'll tell you, though, Ryan, you know, I think we get the best... We get the best at this time, man. Because when you're being restored and gathered, you're not going to be eating your children. No, absolutely You're not. going to be feeding them. You're going to be multiplying them. Oh. And not passing them through the fire of Molech. They're going to be, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be that generation. Think about this. It propels if, the promises. If this is the contrast, man, we have a lot to be thankful for. All so, right. All right. So make your cities waste. Scattered among the heathen, where we were experiencing that at the <sighs> moment. Uh, I feel like I'm scattered among the heathen a lot of times. You just go to the mall, and you'll feel like you're scattered among the heathen. Faintness in their hearts. Uh, no powder to, uh, I'm sorry, no power to stand before your enemies, perish among the heathen, and uh, they shall pine away. These are some pretty awful things. Um, and so the next one, uh, verse, uh, chapter, chapter five, question number five is how many times will the Lord punish the children of Israel for their disobedience? And this is a little thread. So you know how there's threads in the Bible that you can grab, Uh-oh. and all of a sudden you pull it together, it tightens everything up, and it makes a little tapestry for you, and yeah. paints a little picture. So right. I'm going to paint a little picture for you guys here. The answer is seven. Um, it says in uh, verse 18, 21, 24, and 28 here of chapter 26. Uh, but I'll read verse 18 for you. It says, And if you will not, if, if you will not yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. So in other words... Not keeping God's covenant means that you're going to receive seven times the punishment. And so if we're going to jump over very quickly. And the number four means the world, because it's found four times. Right, it is. North, south, east, and west. That's true. It's world, represents the world, so wherever we're scattered. That's right. And so I'm going to jump over to the book of Ezekiel. Ah, That's Ezra, not Ezekiel. I found it. So the book of Ezekiel, chapter four. four. Also in chapter four. Look at that. Christian and I were reading this the other day. When you mentioned I was like, yeah, that's chapter four, right? I was like, oh, yeah. I was was right. I was right. You know, it's amazing uh, when you can start, like, memorizing chapter and verse on accident. That's that's pretty cool. So uh, here it says in chapter four, I'm going to read just a little bit to you. It says, Thou also, son of man, take thee a tile and lay it before thee, and portray upon it a city, even Jerusalem. And so this is also a brick. It could be um, one of the cool... Man, the, one of my favorite thing about the prophet Ezekiel, if you ever get into the prophets, is that the prophet Ezekiel uses um, object lessons. So you ever have a, a pastor come in, he's giving a message, and he uses props to show you an example. I've seen some really good object lessons over the years. But what's cool is Ezekiel, that's his thing, man, his shtick is object lessons. And so here it says, it says, and lay siege against it and build a fort against it and cast a mount against it, set the camp also against it and set battering rams against it round about. Moreover, (sighs) take thou unto thee an iron pan and set it for a wall of iron between thee and the city and set thy face against it and it shall be besieged. And thou shalt lay siege against it. This shall be a sign to the house of Israel. So this is the object lesson that's going to destroy the city, even Jerusalem. And then in verse 4 it says, Lie thou also upon thy left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, according to the number of the days that thou shalt lie upon it, thou shalt bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon thee the years of their iniquity, according to the number of days, three hundred and ninety days, so shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. Now, those of you who have listened to us before, when we're grafted in, we're grafted into Israel, we believe the two sticks will become one, as it says in Ezekiel 37, another object lesson, right, as well, the two sticks becoming one. And so when we're grafted into Israel, and then we join the Jewish people uh, under one, you know, king, our Messiah, Yeshua, 
that's all another object lesson that we believe is coming. But we believe we're grafted into Israel. So here we are. We see that Israel will be punished seven times for their sins right there in the book of Leviticus. And he says for 390 days on his left side. And then we're on our left side now yeah. looking at the book of Ezekiel in chapter 4 for 390 days. Because so Judah, he's going to go on the other side. Correct. He goes on just the other so side for 70 the, yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, just so you show that there's two groups of people. Correct. And so what we look at is we look at the 70 times 7 is 490 years, and we see what happens. And where did you get the 7 from? 7 times more for your sins, right? Correct. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So from Good. Leviticus, yeah, 7 four, times more four, for your sins. The four verses that are found give us the 7. Correct. Punish you 7 times more for your sins. So that's where you're getting the 7 from, so they understand. That is correct. So, so we have a multiple of 7. So we have 390 days for the house of Israel. We jump down. He mentions 70 days for the, uh, the house of Judah. And imagine this now for a second. Just walk down this road with me. We're talking about the northern kingdom, the house of it's Israel. It's 40 days, right, for Judah? Uh, yes, that is exactly right. I said 70. Yeah, I but it's okay, because here's the thing. Just so, just so, because I want Ryan to share this. I don't want you to get mixed up. But, but basically, for 390 days, we know the prophet Ezekiel, okay, he laid, right? On his side. He laid on which side? His, his left side. Left side. And on his right side, he laid for the house of Judah. Forty what? days. Forty days. Okay. So once again, what Ryan's sharing with you are the two houses and the punishment that's really reflected upon the northern kingdom, 390 days times seven. I'm going to let him take it from there. But, you know, this is just like something to think about. It's a theory. It works, but it, it's very interesting. It is. So, so we have 390 days, and if we multiply 390 times 7, and now we're looking at these as years at this point, right? Um, we get 2,730 years of punishment. That sounds like a long sentence. Because he's going to punish you seven times more for your sins. That's the seven. How many times? Times the 390. Okay. And that's where you get the 2730. That is correct. That's good. So what we know historically is that the northern kingdom um, was besieged by the Assyrians in the year 722 B.C. That's a good date. It is. And it's not a good date. <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty reputable. I mean, well, meaning it's a good day. Historical. To, as in it's historically yeah, it accurate wasn't a good day, no. date, but it was not a good day. So in 722 B.C., uh, the Assyrians uh, took captive the northern kingdom of Israel and they were scattered among the nations. That was... Uh, and so we take the 2,730, which is the 390 times the 7, so 2,730, and we subtract the 722 for 722 B.C., um, and we end up with 2,008. Yeah, a, a good number, 2,008 that the, uh, you know... So if the captivity is the punishment, revelation. right, then, and the scattering <laughs> is the punishment, then the punishment has ended... The exile is over. The exile is over yeah. as of 2008. I mean, not that we can physically return to the land right now, but we can return and prepare ourselves. So we're not in exile. And it just so happens we're just, that just, we're scattered. Even before knowing all the of captivity's this over. cute little information that we just kind of discussed, uh, Pastor Nick had, uh, we had a group in Israel at the time, Mr. Uh, Mike Cromwell and a few others. And Pastor Nick really just had it heavy on his heart that you need to go to Bethel, which is where the golden calf was set up by the Northern Kingdom, where they had done the sins you know, of Jeroboam there. And it's, you know, biblically, historically accurate that this is the place where they had done all these sins and, and you know, caused, um, you know, the whole nation of Israel to sin in that place and separated themselves from Judah. And they repented for the sins of Jeroboam, for the sins of the northern kingdom, for anti-Semitism, for, um, for idolatry, for, what was the third one? Changing the feast dates. For changing the feast dates. And so um, you have... That being over in 2008, and they went and repented in 2007. So it just happens we're coming to the end of this exile. That's true. And boom, you know, we're there repenting, getting yeah. ready. In a park in Bethel, they've asked for, they asked for forgiveness for anti-Semitism, uh, for, of course, um, not just for anti-Semitism, but for actually, you know, breaking away from Judah. Right. And, of course, uh, for moving the capital from Jerusalem to Bethel was a right. sin. We know Jerusalem's the capital, and that's when at least they changed the feast dates. That would represent us celebrating pagan holidays. We don't do that anymore. That's correct. Come on, somebody. So if I bump over to um, uh, over here to chapter 3, uh, verse 8 of the Second Peter. So now we're in the New Testament. Uh, it says here, it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, 
that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. He's quoting Moses. He is quoting Moses. And here's what's cool about this, is if a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day, and I go and I look in the book of Hosea, Hosea chapter 6 in verse 2, which I was just there and I just bumped away from Hosea. Here I am. Here I am. Chapter 6 and verse 2. And it says here, it says, After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. After two days. So what I believe is I believe that this is our second witness now to the the revival that's coming, the the release from captivity. The reason that you're seeing all of these people from the nations that are, you know, growing a heart for Israel, that are, are learning about the Torah and the feast days and the dietary laws and the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, you see these things, is that there is a revival going on. The Spirit of God is bringing these things alive. Because since Yeshua, it's been... Two days. Two days. Since his death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah, and we don't know the exact year that was, but it definitely has been about 2,000 years. I mean, we're, we're right there on it. So just something to think about. Like, why are we getting the Torah? Yeah. You know? And then Jeremiah 31, 31, after those days, plural, right, right. at least two days... That's what's happened. Uh, we are uh, getting the Torah, and this is an opportunity, everybody. And it's not about going about and converting everybody to the Hebrews of the Christian faith. It's about you living it and going after what God has promised to you personally. And so as, as we move on, that's an incredible insight for all of you to think about, because uh, so many people are saying, well, how come my father didn't get it, or my great-grandparents, or whatever, or my grandparents? Well, because it's, it's this generation. It's, it's time now. Uh, so did right. the children of Israel have to confess their iniquity? and the iniquity of their fathers for God to remember the covenant he made with them. Yes. Yes. You know, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the father in Malachi at the very end of that book, he says, unless this happens, there's going to be a curse. And you don't want that curse. And what it is, is we are looking back on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are our fathers. Those are the great patriarchs. And so we can see that. And then, of course, in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 42, then will I remember my covenant with Jacob, And also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abraham will I remember. And I will remember the land. Amen. Wow. So I'm going to let this, uh, let this move out here. We've we've got laws about dedications in Leviticus chapter 27, this final chapter. I'll let Ryan take it from here. Laws about dedication. You know, what's interesting is we're coming to the end of the book of Leviticus and I just, you know, I know we don't need a moment of silence or anything, but uh, I just know how much you love Leviticus, Pastor Nick, and it's just, you know... I do. I love it. So here we go. Let's, let's, we're on the home stretch. It says, the following are the estimations for a male, female, and age group. It says, a male from 20 years old, even unto 60 years old, shall be 50 shekels of silver. A female shall be 30 shekels from 5 years old unto 20 years old. For a male, it shall be 20 shekels, and for a female, 10 shekels. If it be from a month old, even unto five years old, for a male, it shall be five shekels of silver, and for a female, three shekels of silver. If it be from 60 years old and above, for a male, it shall be 15 shekels, and for a female, 10 shekels. And so um, I just want to make a reference point that we're referring to, just so you guys hear, and so let me let me read just the first couple of verses here. It says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speaking to the children of Israel and saying to them, when a man shall make a singular vow, the persons shall be for the Lord by thy estimation. So people use this to say, oh, see, God only says that people are worth 30 shekels or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But what this is, is that when you come and you do a vow, you're putting right? a value on the vow. Exactly right. And That's it's good. whoever does it. And this some a lot of times this is, hey, I'm vowing to do X, Y, or Z, or hey, I'm putting myself into you know, uh, servanthood for, you know, this reason or that reason that there was a, a, uh, a payment made to the Lord for this, because who do these people really belong to? They belong to the Lord. Amen. So what was, uh, their provision for a person who could not afford the estimation? The answer is yes. In verse eight, there is. And also could animal animals, could animals be dedicated to God? Any mile can be dedicated to God. <laughs> That's right. Any mile. <laughs> the answer is yes. Animals, animals can be dedicated to God. And could a house be sanctified? Also, yes. So how much was added to the object that was sanctified, excluding the estimation? One-fifth. That's the 20%. And could a field be sanctified? Yes. And is the firstling of bees sanctified to the Lord? Yes. All the firstlings of the Lord have to be um, 
uh, they have to be redeemed. And every devoted thing is most what unto the Lord? Holy. That's correct. It's devoted. That's right. And in Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30, it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. See, the principle of the tithe is holy. That's right. Tithing's a principle. People say, well, look, you know, the guy bought a boat with it. He, he got another house with it. Yeah. And, and he, he's a televangelist. And he's this. Listen, tithing's a principle. That's right. You know, and I think the church should be responsible for the tithe. But tithing's a principle. And it was actually given to us before uh, there was any tabernacle or temple. Because Abraham tithed. Jacob tithed. Remember, it's a principle, everyone. And, uh, and it's important that you understand that. That's right. And so um, there's also a provision for a person that must redeem their tithe if they have an ought um, of this tithe, and that is an additional 20% as well, or one-fifth. It's like a payback. You pay back the tithe. Well, uh, right, exactly. But I think because you did that, you add 20%. Correct. So God's like, okay, you can't tithe right now or something's happened. Okay, well, you can tithe later, Yeah. but add 20%. Yeah. And what is that? It's a principle. You know, so Ryan, as we look at chapter 27, I want to do a little review here and then you can share a little more. I want to do a little review here, basically, in, in regard to vows uh, in chapter 27. Uh, we have, of course, laws of dedicated persons and things. We have uh, animals dedicated to God, houses dedicated to God, and of course, fields dedicated to God, you know. Uh, so we can see this in, in regard to the vows. Now, there are three things that are God's forever. They are the firstborn of animals, all dedicated things, all ties of the people. That's right. They're his forever. Uh, looking at this as well, we can find four things can be sanctified. Now think about this. This is really important. Yeah. Time. Wow. Ooh. How much time do we waste? Like a holy time. Now, yeah. now you know, we need to be uh, good with our time. So, so time can be sanctified. What, like Sabbaths and feast days. You're redeeming the time for the days are evil. So when you celebrate Shabbat, you are, of course, sanctifying it, that time frame. You could be out cutting the grass, but no, you're doing Shabbat. I, I will say this, that, you know, we have, we spend a lot of time outside, you know, uh, just hanging out and stuff, yeah. especially during the Shabbat. And since we've been home during the Shabbat, instead of here during the Shabbat at, at Beit Tehillah, man, I look around and I just notice all of the stuff that I could be doing. Oh, I need to do that. Oh, I need to, yeah, you know? know. And so sometimes I just got to close my eyes and just receive the Lord in his presence. And so, you know, if, if this is actually putting God in every part of your life. So yeah. think about the time that you have. That's right. Uh, also, number two, space can be sanctified. A field, tabernacle, temple, sanctuary of Beit Tehillah is a space that is sanctified. You know, we don't have, you know, rollerblading in the sanctuary no. or uh, bingo, you know. Um, but we have, of course, a space that is sanctified. Uh, objects can be sanctified, like clothing, the tabernacle, or even the tabernacle furniture, you know. Those are objects, tabernacle furniture, objects, you know. And, of course, last but not least, people can be sanctified, uh, like a high priest, the Levites, Moses, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, the children of Israel. You know, you were sanctified. You were set apart. So, any last thoughts, Ryan? Um. I just, you know, what I mentioned earlier about, you know, God choosing you, you are sanctified, you are set apart for a purpose. And I think that um, if we can all just focus on serving the Lord, man, you know, loving God, loving one another, what an awesome, awesome world we would live in. Amen. That would be nice. So we are now going to count the Omer. And I have my son Christian here with me. So he's going to help us count the Omer. That's good. We all say the Omer together. Um, he and I do it at night. Actually, the way he's been counting the Omer is he has a puzzle with 50 pieces, and he writes the number on the back of the pieces, and he's been building this puzzle day by day. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're now at day 31. So uh, last night he put on the 31st piece for his puzzle. So it's been uh, pretty cool. And but 32 will be Tuesday night. Right, tonight. We're doing 31. Are we ready? Right. All right, you ready? All right. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitchenu Bimitzvotav Vitzivanu Al Sifarat HaOmer Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, 
whose commandments add holiness to our lives and gives us the command to count the Omer. Today is 31 days, which is four weeks and three days of the counting of the Omer. Man, hallelujah. Uh, uh, uh. Amen. 31. So now, so now Christian's going to go ahead and blow the shofar for us. Go ahead. Awesome, man. Wow. And you know, just for a, a little special treat, this is for Pastor Nick, and I know also... Go ahead. Yes, we do have a special treat. But remember, yeah. when we finish a book... Oh, that's do right. my little part. Okay, here. go ahead. Go ahead. We say, Hazak, Hazak, Vanish, Hazik, be strong, be strong, and may, and may you we be, be strengthened. strengthened. That's right. We finished the book. Hazak, Hazak, Vanish, Hazik. Wow. The book of Leviticus. Be strong, be strong, and may we be strengthened. May we be strong enough until we get to Leviticus and again next year. And now we need year. to finish it up with a little ditty. A little ditty. Yes. This is called the Nagoon. Uh, this one is by... Uh, is it, this is by Shlomo Katz or Eitan Katz? This is by Eitan Katz. The good, uh, good Jewish brothers that we enjoy, uh, their music. And, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and play it. You know, Pastor Nick's birthday was yesterday, uh, May 11th, 1967, the day it all began. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, just, you know, so this song is dedicated to the Lord first and Pastor Nick second. talking about all right folks bless you we just thank you so much for listening obviously again we miss you if you want to reach out you need prayer you need anything at all just email me ryan at two praise.net ryan r-y-a-n at two praise.net uh, we would love to hear from you as always uh, also you can live stream our services every shabbat on uh, two praise.net or on YouTube. Uh, that's the way we watch it up on our TV. We have a you know a little TV that allows you to put it on YouTube, and then we watch it on the TV. Uh, you can also watch it on Facebook or uh, even on, I think, Instagram, Periscope, you name it. So uh, bless you guys. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week.